Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. I am. What a fucking week, Julie. (laughs) You're telling me. Oh my God. Okay, so let me kind of explain to you guys just what happened so you are fully up to date. Basically, yesterday we had recorded this entire Kim and Kanye episode. And in the middle of us recording, my dad came into the closet. He has never done that. And he's like, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but they are literally scaling the Capitol building. Like, you have to see this shit. So we finished the episode. We send the files to our producer. And we kind of just felt like there was no way, even though in our world, obviously, Kim and Kanye potential divorce is quite literally the definition of breaking news. There was no way we could drop that with everything happening yesterday. We just felt like it would be wildly off. Right. We'll get into the episode in a second, et cetera. But just let me just say for one minute here, that was one of the most horrifying, disgusting things we have ever witnessed. You guys know where we stand on it. I know we posted about this, but we have this platform. So let us just say, if those domestic terrorists storming the Capitol building were black or brown individuals, they would have been met with force that we have seen only at the Black Lives Matters protests and much more. Nothing like the kind of peaceful, laissez-faire attitude that law enforcement had yesterday. The law enforcement aspect of yesterday, you know, as horrific as what was happening was, the lack of force that they were met with was somehow like more horrific or equally as horrific. It really, really was. Yeah. You have people in Camp Auschwitz t-shirts on the floor of the Senate and it was relatively casual considering what was going on. It was horrifying to watch. It was disgusting. I, I We're going to move on um, there, you know, but I just want to say you guys know where we stand on this. I think either way, wherever you are on the political spectrum, you can understand that this was so not okay. And of course, in our personal opinion, this was a direct result of the violence that has been incited by our president, unfortunately. Yep, exactly. Okay. So basically, in the episode, which I'm going to cut to in a few minutes, we kind of broke down all of the reports that are going on. We gave our opinions. We then went back and went through the entire timeline of their relationship and kind of, it was like a walk down memory lane in a lot of ways kind of were discussing it throughout. So we got into a Chris Humphreys discussion and a Ray J discussion. And I don't even know what happened. It was actually, I think, kind of cathartic to do and, and was fun. I hope you enjoy that. But I kind of feel like, one, there are definitely rumors that have circulated since we recorded that episode, which we want to talk about in a second. But also, can we just spend like a minute talking a little bit more candidly or freely kind of about our opinions on the whole thing? I would absolutely love to. <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, there was so much happening yesterday that I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like I blacked out during that. Yesterday was truly one of the craziest days because I think somebody had tweeted yesterday and it pretty much summed up exactly how I felt. And they were like, oh, I can't believe they're this upset about Kim and Kanye getting divorced. And I was like, that is exactly combining the two events that are going on in my head as it should be told. Especially while, I mean, this was happening while we were recording. It was, I can't even tell you, as we're recording, I'm getting so many texts from my dad and I'm like, I, I don't even know what to do because I feel like my brain physically can't compute these two things going on at the same time. Like it was an overdrive. It was an overdrive. It really was. Um, I guess, and again, we got into the specifics of everything in case you're confused in the episode, but like general thoughts on this, obviously it's really sad, of course. These are two people that were in love, are in love, have a beautiful family together. But in my eyes, it was just inevitable. I just, I truly did not think that Kim was going to stay in this for for much longer. I really felt that way. And so if this is true, it's sad, but like if you're asking me yes, I think it's the right decision. I really really do. Yeah, I do too. I think the way that Kanye has been as of late, I think the way their relationship has been as as of late, all signs were pointing to this. I don't think anybody is shocked by this news. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I'm still on the side of this is incredibly sad mainly because a lot of times it seems like it didn't have to go down this path and there were things that could have been done to avoid where things have gotten and it just took a completely different direction and it is sad to see. It is. It is. You know, I feel like let's take a minute to just talk about some of the rumors that have come out since yesterday and listen, this whole Jeffree Star thing, let me just first say clearly by even entertaining this, you're basically speculating on Kanye's sexuality, which is not something we are here to do with anyone, but it's now made its way to mainstream. I mean, even just this morning, E! News posted about it. Of course, in their article, they said, you know, a source says there's no truth to this, but just so that nobody feels crazy for hearing this, let me just mention what's going on because Jeffrey also posted about it. Basically, there's been this rumor that I think started because Jeffrey also owns a very expensive property in Wyoming saying that, you know... Kanye and Jeffrey have been have been hooking up. Jeffrey then, anybody who knows him knows that he's not one to remove himself from drama, especially when it aids in his relevancy. So he posted this photo of himself in a pink robe with the caption, I'm ready for Sunday service with the dove emoji. Again, let me just say, Kanye has never once made a comment about his sexuality, so we are not definitely not going to do so ourselves, but this is fucking wild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's really all there is to say on it. And then on the other side of things, you know, of course, a lot of the articles say a source says there's no third party and who knows if there is or there isn't. But yesterday it comes out that apparently it's speculated that Kim is hooking up with Van Jones. Again, no idea if there's any truth to it, but the hypothetical element of me always does like to just entertain it for 30 seconds. And also, I think that, you know, specifically yesterday, we were watching more CNN than anybody physically thought possible. But anytime Van Jones came on, I think me and Isabel first said at the exact same time, we were like, oh, I think I kind of like that. Like, I think I kind of hope that's true. So that was really funny. But Van Jones was kind of the first person that whose name was thrown around, not in terms of there being a third party, just in terms of who could you potentially seek him with down the road, where I was like, oh yeah, I could kind of see that. The first and only one so far. Well, it's just kind of interesting because I feel like something we've spoken about is even though I'm totally in favor of this divorce happening, if it's true, 
Like, it's so hard for me to envision anybody that Kim could be with. Not because I think Kanye is the end-all be-all for her, and I'm sure she would find someone absolutely great. It's just I've associated them together for so long. And this may be a weird point, but see if you guys follow what I'm trying to say. Like, it's definitely clear that one of Kanye's love languages is gift giving. And as a result of that, we've kind of seen that it's one of the way that Kim now accepts love. And so it's become kind of par for the course for her to wake up and have Kenny G serenading her with a thousand roses on the floor or every morning to have some sort of a pianist there or these extravagant kind of gifts that he gives that are a lot more sentimental, which clearly is not the core of their relationship. But I'm just saying it's like, that seems to be the way that they do things now. And it's so hard for me to envision her, I don't know, with with someone else. I don't know why. I think it has so much to do with the way their relationship started, how long he was in love with her for them finally getting together, it being this, honestly, this great love story. In the beginning, it truly was. I know to some people that may sound kind of crazy, but I feel like it's hard to deny, you know, the way their relationship started and the way it was. And also, I think that it's hard to also ignore their similarities because it seems like Kanye's kind of strayed far from the way we remember him or the way he was at the beginning of their relationship. But in their interests, in their extravagance, in just the things they do, they were just so evenly matched. And I think Kanye, you know, obviously brought out a side of Kim that gave Kim a lot of confidence and really boosted her to a level and not that Kim, that Kanye is responsible for doing that. So yeah, it is hard to picture only because you've really watched them grow together. You've watched Kim go from being this reality star to being this mogul to being a lawyer to, you know, fighting genuinely as hard as one can for prison reform. So it is Again, not that that's Kanye's doing. It just feels like you've watched her grow so much and he's been there for the ride that it's hard to picture them doing that ride separately. Yeah, there's definitely that element of it. Like, okay, this is about to be a really bold claim. I totally get that. And as I'm saying it, I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but I just want to say it. You know how if somebody asked you before, like, okay, what's the number one thing you want to know? I think we would always say, have... Courtney and Scott been sleeping together anytime in the last year or so. My number one answer is shifting now. If somebody asked me, what is the one piece of information you want to know? It would be, who is Kim going to be with next? Or like, hypothetically, who has she seen in the time since they've been separated? I don't know. But that's where my mind is going to. Do you agree with that at all? It's a bold claim, certainly. Um, I... The only difference, I guess, is if the question is about Kim down the road, eventually we will find out that information. Scott and Courtney, who knows if we'll ever find that out. Right. But I guess I'm saying, like, I need that now. If somebody, like, you know, a genie came in and was like, you can trade having the Courtney Scott knowledge or knowing in advance Kim, I would take the knowing in advance Kim. Because with Courtney and Scott, the thing is, there's only one answer. It's either a yes or a no. With Kim, there's infinite possibilities. Yeah. Like, it's not Drake, right? We can pretty much it's not Drake, but like hypothetically it could be. It's not, it's not, I know, but like that technically would be a name in the running because anybody would be up for grabs. Right, exactly. Kind of crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, anything else that happened since yesterday or anything else that you want to mention? I don't think anything else has happened. The only thing that I want to mention that I don't think we spoke about in the main part of the episode is 
even if they do get divorced, a lot of people are like, what happens to the, you know, ranch? Can the family not go there? Do they, are they going to buy another Wyoming ranch? I think what's important to remember with the Kardashians is that they tend to have really great relationships with the exes and the fathers of their children. And I just imagine that that would continue even if they do get divorced. I imagine that, you know, Kanye will still be around for a while. Obviously, they share kids together, but just in terms of the full, you know, familial aspect of it. So I just think that's one other thing to consider. Like, we're not getting rid of Kanye by any means here. Yeah. I also, I think we definitely spoke about this in the main part, but like I said, technically, nobody at the time of recording this has come out from their camp and officially confirmed it. So, it also could not happen. We're not saying it definitely is, but all of the reports seem to be going in that way. I think we get into a discussion um, about like evaluating different news sources, et cetera. But okay, we will cut to that now. Remember, everything that's going to happen right after this music is what we recorded yesterday. So I don't even know. I Like I said, I think I kind of blacked out for it. It was a really hectic day. And if you are one of our listeners and you are living in DC, I hope that you stayed safe yesterday. I hope you are staying safe today. I just know how scary that was watching it. So I can't even really imagine what that must have been like uh, being in close proximity. And we love you guys so much. I know we got a lot of DMs about this and it's a couple of days later, but here we are. Julie, this one is no joke. Let me tell you. No, it really, it's no joke, kid. Yeah, you guys, this is one where as most of you know, on Wednesdays, we recap old episodes of Keeping Up. But when this Kim and Kanye divorce news broke last night, we very quickly pivoted. And I guess you could kind of consider this a pseudo emergency episode. Like, we don't know anything that you guys don't know, but we've just been compiling the information. I'll explain to you how we're going to do this in a second. But I think sometimes when news like this breaks, it just feels good to have people to process it with. And if we can at all be informative or a calming presence, that really is our number one goal at the end of this. Like 45 minutes in or an hour, however long this will be, I want you to finish listening and feel like, wow, I feel very up to date on this Kim and Kanye stuff. And maybe I have new thoughts to think of. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So in one minute, I'm going to explain exactly how we're going to break this episode down. But first, I just want to say we got so many DMs. I mean, when this happened, like thousands of messages and probably the number one question we got asked is like, do you guys think this is true? Which we will have lengthy analysis and discussions on, I'm sure. But why don't you give your immediate answer to that question? I would say, uh, yes, to an extent, I do believe it's true. I think that this is headed in that direction. It definitely feels different than other reports that have come out about their marriage as of late. Um, I can't say with absolute certainty that they're 100% going to get officially divorced, but I do believe that this is different than past times and it seems to be headed in that direction. I totally agree. I also just want to say, you know, we're speaking about this as if it's true when we, you know, when we go through all the reports, because it's just easier to operate under that mindset in terms of going through it. But like, at least at the time that we're recording right now, none of the actual Kardashians have come out and confirmed this. I know when multiple sources or a source can very much be Kris Jenner, but Kim has not gone on Twitter. Kim has not made an official statement at the time we're recording this. So we're going to treat it as if it's official, but technically it's not. I mean, also, we have to keep in mind that when the Kardashians don't speak on something, that usually speaks volumes, typically. Well, that's the example that we always give, even with 
you know, Kylie's pregnancy or with Chris and Kim's divorce, so many different things. They're the first ones to come out and deny something if it's going viral and it's not true. So silence can be deafening in this case. Yeah. And I think especially with Kim and her tendency to jump right, you know, and get right out there and defend Kanye or defend their marriage or defend their situation. So yeah, the fact that she hasn't said anything, yeah, it's definitely more convincing for me than it would be if another celebrity didn't say something. Yeah. I also just want to say, by the time this episode comes out, she could have made a statement and completely canceled out everything we're saying. I still wouldn't feel naive or wouldn't feel embarrassed because in my gut, I, and it's, it's sad to say, but I just don't see a world in which they stay together for forever. I, I know it's really sad and they have a beautiful life with beautiful children, but I just felt like this was inevitable at some point. Just my personal opinion. Right. Okay. So basically, this is how we're going to do it. First, we're going to go through the reports that have been circulating over the last 16 or so hours. We're then going to speak about some of the reports that happened a few months ago that maybe had signs pointing to this. We'll take a break. We'll discuss it all. And then we figured a good way to kind of wrap this episode in a bow is to really go back on a full timeline of their relationship. And there are so many things that you forget about. You forget about their friendship before. You forget about the way that they've met and just little intricacies that I think are important to mention or fun to mention. So we'll do all of that. And I guess you can consider this like a Kim and Connie super episode. It seems what people wanted. I feel like we're going to leave. I feel like we have so many people who are going to listen to this and they're fine with the divorce. Like they saw it coming. And then by the time we go through their timeline, they're going to be upset about it. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like because of what's gone on for the past few years, people almost, myself included, forget what the initial years were. Like we forget what that honeymoon phase was like. And also, and I know we'll get into this obviously, so I don't want to, you know, touch on it too much now, but how hard Kanye fought in the first place to even be with Kim. So hard. I can't wait. Okay, you're right. We'll save it. I have so much to say. <laughs> okay. So let me take you all back to roughly 6.03 p.m. on Tuesday night when page six is the first to report Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are over. And that was the article heard around the world, sent in a million group chats. I'm sure if you're anything like us, your phones were blowing up. And before we get into the contents of that article, I just want to acknowledge, you know, a lot of people ask us, do you believe page six to be a credible source? And I guess when I do my rankings, in terms of general celebrity news, I actually now in the past, this has changed over the past year or two, TMZ is my top. I know TMZ used to not be considered as reputable, but over the past few years, they really have become like when TMZ reports it, it's true. So if I'm comparing page six and TMZ, TMZ is always going to top it personally. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Also, you know, the question that people ask us a lot is, do you guys take E! News more seriously when it comes to Kardashian news based on their relationship with them, even though now they are technically no longer with them for keeping up? And honestly, with for me, I do. Yeah, definitely. Well, the thing that you have to consider is that every news source has their sources for specific things. And the Kardashians have been under that E umbrella for so long that the sources that E has are probably the strongest out of any other news site. And they've probably stayed the same for the most part throughout the years. So anytime E is specifically reporting on the Kardashians, that's something that I think we specifically and most people really, really take to heart. No, I, I feel the same way. So, you know, page six comes out and then after it's TMZ and it's E! News and it's everywhere. So basically the contents of what these articles are saying is that 
Kim has hired Laura Wasser. Laura Wasser is the high-powered divorce attorney, million celebrity clients. I'll go through them in a second. She used her also with her divorce from Chris Humphreys. And you know, apparently, as reports for a while have been saying, they've been living separately. He's been living on their $14 million ranch in Wyoming. You know, there's two sides of it. The source in in favor of Kim basically says she's really fed up. She's been trying for a while to make this work, but she no longer can handle it. And on Kanye's side, the reports basically say that he's kind of repulsed with the extravagant display of the Kardashians. He wants nothing to do with it. He wants nothing to do with the show. And he almost is viewing it as kind of unbearable. The articles also spoke about her 40th birthday that she had in Tahiti a few months ago with you know 40 of her friends and basically said that he stayed for one day. He didn't want to be in any of the pictures. Quote, all he did was bring over the hologram of her father, Robert Kardashian, then got out of there as fast as he could. <laughs> when I tell you, nothing could have prepared me for that sentence. Uh, that was my favorite quote of the whole article. Brought the hologram and booked it. <laughs> I I genuinely can't believe that's a real sentence. I know, I know. And then, you know, in terms of assets, we'll get into some of the alleged prenups a little bit later on. But basically, what's being reported is that Kim owns the land for their Calabasas home because they had bought a couple of lots, but that he owns the actual home. And apparently, there seems to be a little bit of contention there. But in terms of their children, they are apparently very much on the same page in terms of co-parenting, in terms of custody. And I think this is something we've said for a while. Like Their children are definitely both of their first priorities. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if this is naive, but I would be really shocked if he didn't let her keep the house. Yes, because I think the last thing he would ever want to do is uproot their children's lives, and that's their home base. And his home is and his life isn't really LA based anymore. It's very much Wyoming. And from the reports that we've heard, he's been spending most of his time out there anyway. I have to imagine that he would kind of keep Wyoming as his primary location and then get another house in LA or or maybe even still in Calabasas as just a secondary home to have when he comes there and allow her to keep the home and allow the kids to stay there. Right. Because also you know, one of the reasons that Kim got that house is because proximity wise to the rest of the family, like they all stay within a certain radius of each other. So it's close enough to Kit. Chris is close enough to the other cousins and stuff. And Connie's aware of that. And also that was very specifically Kim's dream home. I know. I mean, he worked, Connie worked very closely with the architect and with the designer. And I think Kim would give a lot of credit to Connie, but she, it was like in a lot of ways, I think her vision to have this kind of compound. Yeah, definitely. Also, just to go back to a second to Laura Wasser, I'm sure you guys have seen her interviewed on 60 Minutes. She is like the divorce attorneys of divorce attorneys. She has a podcast called All Fair with Laura Wasser and Divorce Sucks with Laura Wasser. But just quickly, some of her other clients, Angelina Jolie, Heidi Klum, Ryan Reynolds, Hilary Duff, Stevie Wonder, Kate Walsh, Johnny Knoxville, Kelly Clarkson, Dr. Dre. The list goes on. This woman is who you call when you have a lot of money and you are going through a divorce in Hollywood and you want the absolute best representation possible. If I was a celebrity, I would have Laura Wasser on retainer before I went on a first date with anybody. Well, apparently Kim did. Apparently Kim's had her on retainer. Interesting. And keep in mind, this is, and I I think I said this earlier, but this is the same attorney that she used for her divorce with Chris Humphreys, which we have no idea what's going to happen with Kanye, whether this is fully going to go through, but Something I feel like 100% confident about saying is that even if this gets messy, there is no way that it will be the spiteful, hateful, like draining experience that it was with Chris. 
Yeah, there's just no way. It's an entirely different circumstance. It's an entirely different relationship, different marriage. I would be really shocked if this got messy, especially because the thing with Kim and Chris was that obviously we know this, but Kim had so much of her own to protect. And Chris was kind of grasping at straws during this whole, you know, divorce. With Kim and Kanye, they're both their own separate entity. They both are protecting their own assets. So that makes things so much easier in terms of divorce. And the messiest part, presumably for the two of them would be custody agreements. And from all the reports that are coming out, that's not an area of contention for them right now. So it would be presumably very smooth sailing, as smooth as a divorce could possibly be. Well, yes. And, you know, keep in mind when Kim and Chris got divorced, it was under three months. And one of the points that he was, he made was basically this entire thing was fraud. She never was serious about it. Like Kim and Connie, this has been years now. You know what I mean? That, that argument just in general could never be made that she was just doing it for publicity. Like clearly that's not the case here. And never forget what Courtney said about the publicity aspect of Chris was when she was in the interview and she said, I think that if Kim was going to do something for publicity, she would have picked somebody that people actually knew. Exactly. That's one. Like, I feel like typically when we're talking about people that they used to date, et cetera, we try to stay pretty neutral just because we don't know these people personally. But from the first second that Chris Humphreys graced the screen, I just got such negative energy from him. Well, I will tell you that the moment, the moment I knew that Kim was never going to stay in this, even though the episode had aired after the, you know, the split had come out, was when they were talking about moving to Minnesota. Chris wanted to move to Minnesota. And Kim was obviously not down for that. And Chris told Kim that by the time they had kids in school, no one would even know who she was. Yeah, you know, I kind of forgot that until you just said it. It, Isn't that crazy? It is crazy, but that's so... That's such a great representation of just the way that he was towards her in general. It was so belittling, you know, and not, I'm not saying she was perfect towards him, but he did the opposite of like building her up. Like when you marry someone, you want them to be your biggest supporter. You want them to think almost highly, more highly of you than you even do of yourself. Right. And like, there was none of that. I'm not talking, putting someone on a pedestal. I'm not for that, but I'm saying you want that person to believe that you just have such greatness. And he did not feel that way about her. It was constantly putting her down which was the complete antithesis of the way Kanye built her up. Right, which we will get into this when we go through their timeline, but Kanye always, I think, has viewed Kim, and I trust me, I have plenty of issues with Kanye. I am not at all a Kanye fan in the slightest. However, one thing I have always felt is that he really did admire and love her and respect her and almost viewed her in a certain light before she viewed herself. Like, no, you are going to be this fashion icon. And no, you are worthy of roles that you want. You know, he was the one that said to her, stop just taking any campaign you get. You deserve to be picky. So that can't be lost in all of this, even though I think a lot of us have so much, or personally at least, like such a foul taste in our mouth from towards Kanye. The hard part with Kanye also is that your view of him or most people's view of him is a very recent view. And it's, you know, it's skewed, but the Kanye that Kim married and the Kanye that Kim fell in love with is not the Kanye we know now. No. And we'll, we'll get into this. And I know if you've been listening, you've said, you've heard us say this a million times, but I do think it's just like an important message to know. Of course, we all know that Kanye is diagnosed bipolar and we know at times he's not medicated. And of course, when talking about this, there has to be a level of sensitivity there. Cause like the quote that I always say, cause I think it's so true is, 
if we're going to make a blanket statement that we want to take mental health seriously and we want to treat it with sensitivity, we don't get to do that just for people that we like. Like, just because I'm not a fan of Kanye doesn't mean that I get to completely disregard his mental health when when talking about him, you know? Right, exactly, 100%. Before we get into a timeline, I kind of want to bring up this, I can't believe I'm saying Radar Online. It's a Radar Online article from 2014. I can't tell you how much validity it has, but I just think there's something about celebrity prenups that are interesting that I'd like to examine. Do you think it's worth talking about? First of all, everything about celebrity prenups are interesting and worth examining. Yeah. So again, I don't know if there's truth to this, but when this article initially came out, it basically said that the prenup process between Kim and Kanye was relatively smooth, comparatively speaking, to Chris and Kim. Because with Chris and Kim, it was apparently months and months and a lot more so you know, on his side than on hers. And apparently, according to this article, for every year Kim's married to Kanye, she'll get a million dollars capped at 10 million. At the time, this is when they were living in their Bel Air home. And so it said that the title was in Kim's name and that she will be able to keep all jewelry and all gifts given to her by Kanye. Also, he apparently had a life insurance policy valued at $20 million that will name Kim as the beneficiary for life, even in the event of a divorce. Also, keep in mind, at the time that they were married, they only had one child, North, and Kim's net worth was estimated to be around $40 million. It's now $900 million. And his net worth at the time was estimated to be around $60 million. It's now $1.3 billion. So it's almost as if in six years we're talking about, or seven years, we're talking about two totally different people. Those net worth increases are crazy. And also, even at the time, the $1 million for every year they've been married was obviously a low number, but now that's <laughs> that's nothing to them. Well, now that's what Kim gets in one Instagram post. It's really crazy because that is not a long period of time for how much change has happened in terms of their growth. Oh my God. No, it's, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. That's also KKW Beauty. That's also Yeezy. I mean, they've had so many massive projects, Skims. I've always said, I think Skims is the thing that's going to take Kim to a billionaire status. Like they've had such retail influx in the past few years. Yeah. I mean, their influence from then to now is insane, both of them. It's just, I always find it really interesting when you're looking at a relationship with it like this, where not just one, but both people have grown so massively together. Yeah. And I think in this case, honestly, they both not would attribute their success to each other. That's like, so not the point that I'm trying to make at all. But I do think it was the type of relationship where they did feel at least for a long time, like mutually supported, you know, like they were in on each other's projects because I think they both genuinely valued each other's feedback. Like it was, I don't know, there just seemed to be more involvement than a lot of couples that we see. And again, I'm like not a proponent of their marriage necessarily. Like I really think that I'm not one that's like pushing for them to stay together, but I do think we at least have to like acknowledge the good things that came from it. And I think there was more good than there is bad. I think the bad is so recent and has so many factors outside of just a relationship. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's a more sad situation because you're taking two people who really grew together, who took a long time to find each other, who finally found it. And the factors that are leading to this divorce aren't falling out of love or cheating or growing apart. It's really because it's not healthy for them to stay together right now. And I think that makes it so much more sad because it's almost out of their control. Just to go back to the business thing we were talking about, it can't be lost on us that 
the same day, basically, that these reports came out, it also came out that Cody, the same company that bought 50% of Kylie Cosmetics, has paid $200 million for a 20% equity in KKW Beauty. Right. Cody is really just, I mean. Cody's just doing the most, huh? Doing the, I had, I've never heard of them in my entire life, and now I feel like they are such a huge part of my vocabulary. I literally have not gone a day without saying Cody in like two years. I know. And, and we, we didn't even know that that was a war, that that was a company, that that was any sort of an entity in the slightest. I know. Any other immediate thoughts or do you want to get into timeline slash discussion? Let's, let's go timeline discussion. I'm ready for it. Are you? It, but now I'm ready. Okay. Let's, let's put an ad break so that our producer doesn't literally kill us and then we'll come right back. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so I'm going to take you guys back to 18 years ago, 2003, when Kim was working as Brandy's assistant at the time. And at this time, she was still married to her first husband, Damon Thomas. Every single time we do something like this where we go back to the early 2000s, I consistently forget that Chris Humphreys was not her first marriage. Every single time. Like I know that if I was taking a test and I had to remember it, I would. But if I'm just talking in casual conversation, I always think that Chris was the first. Right. Me too. So she had said this on the 10-year anniversary special about Kanye, quote, I met him, I think, in 2002 or 2003. He was recording a song with Brandy, and I was her friend. I vividly remember hanging out with him, and then they did a video together, so I'd see him a few times. He was asking his friends, who's this Kim Cartajan? He didn't know what my name was. And in 2013, Kanye was doing this interview with Ryan Seacrest, and he said to him, I just knew I wanted her to be my girl for a long time. I remember I saw a picture of her and Paris Hilton, and I remember telling my boy, have you seen that girl Kim Cartajan or Cartajan? Like, he... He really, he knew who she was in terms of he was drawn to her presence and like clearly he was obsessed with her looks, but he didn't know her in terms of like her family. Right. That came much later. (laughs) Much later. Also, her marriage to Damon Thomas, just as a total side note, it was from 2000 to 2003. She got married when she was 19 years old. They eloped in Vegas and she said she was high on ecstasy during the ceremony just as a total fun fact, a few seasons ago on Kardashians, she said she was also on ecstasy during the Ray J sex tape, which fucking, that, I mean, if you're going to do ecstasy a handful of times, those are really, you really knock it out of the park. Yeah. She really knew what she was doing. She was like, if I'm going to do it, I may as well do it. Is, that is literally the definition of go big or go home. Right? Yeah. 
Also, at the time that she was married to Damon, Kanye was kind of in this on and off relationship with this designer, Alexis Pfeiffer. They'd began dating in 2002, but they were all kind of happening simultaneously. Okay. Kim divorces Damon in 2004. Her and Ray J start dating. They only dated for about two years. They broke it off in 2006. And I know most of you know this, but keep in mind, Brandy and Ray J are brother and sister. So there's that whole connection as well. Of course, of course. So 2006, the same year that Kim and Ray J break up, Kanye and Alexis, his on and off girlfriend, get engaged. Okay. A month after that, in September 2006, Kim starts dating Nick Cannon. This is another one. Every single time I'm like, yes, that did happen. Crazy, right? Yes. And their breakup has something to do with the sex tape, right? I believe what happened was the sex tape hadn't come out yet. They had broken up in January 2007. The sex tape was was released in March 2007. But what Nick Cannon had said in an interview was that she had lied to him about the sex tape or was not honest with him about it. And that's what led to them breaking up. And I believe he said something that like, had she been honest or had the sex tape not existed, which seems like an incredibly anti-feminist thing to say, but... Uh, they probably would have dated or continued dated for much longer. Let's just for 10 seconds go into a hypothetical world. Like let's take out the misogynistic element of that statement and just go into a hypothetical world where they really did date. And then Nick and Mariah never were and Kim and Nick were. Like, could you imagine the different course the pop culture would have taken? I, I can't imagine that. I know. I mean, there's so many... It's actually really funny you say that just for like a quick tangent. There's been this trend on TikTok that's like, what is the pop culture or world domino effect that people have been thinking about? And people come up with all of these crazy things that you don't think about. Like this person's parents met at this and therefore they're responsible for this. And there's just all these like things about what could have happened in pop culture had this one small event not happened. And that's such a good example of that. The perfect example of that, right? Yeah. So March 2007, the sex tape is released which we've been recapping the old episodes of Keeping Up and you really get to see that play out. And a few months later in July, Kim meets Reggie Bush at the ESPY Awards. They began dating shortly after. And a few months after that, October 2007, is when the first episode, season one, episode one of Keeping Up with the Kardashians premieres. So, you know, from sex tape release to relationship with Reggie to Kardashian premiere was really within a very short span of time. Like 2007 was a busy year for her. Busy year. And what always boggles my mind is I think about now uh, the episodes and the turnaround rate of how long it takes from the time it's filmed till it comes out. This turnaround rate is insane because the episode was released October 2007. The sex tape was first released March 2007. And by the time the episode aired, the sex tape had already been such a thing. And I have to imagine that the main reason that they got the show was because of the fame from the sex tape, right? So that means that the concept didn't even exist from prior to the sex tape, right? Yeah. I mean, we go back to Ryan Seacrest talking about how he came to one of their family barbecues or something and he saw the family dynamic. But Kim's name was on the rise based on the fame from the sex tape, undoubtedly. I mean, she's the first one to admit that. Talk about like turning your pain into power. She really did something with that. So yeah, it was... I mean, also when you look at it production quality wise, like it was just a whole different world. Right. But still that turnaround time is incredible. Oh, completely. So a month after the show premieres, Kanye's mom, Donda West, passed away. She was 58 years old. You guys remember it was plastic surgery, a breast reduction, total complications, completely 
out of the blue unexpected. And I think a lot of people, Kanye included, would kind of mark this experience as a real turning point for him in terms of just the course of his life. And I mean, so many things, the death of a mother, I think is so hard to even comprehend specifically when it comes at such shock. Yeah. And I think there was also, I have to imagine, um, based on things that Kanye said in the past or the stories that have come out, a lot of guilt that Kanye felt about that too. Yeah. It's it's like one of the, one of, I think like the most unfair emotions you can possibly feel as a child, right? Like 0% part of that was his fault at all, but it's almost impossible to not feel like, what could I have done? Right. Because what happened with his mom was that you know, the surgery happened. She left the hospital, I think, earlier than she should have and went home and died at her home. So there was a lot of things, I think, that were like, could this have been prevented? How easily could this have been prevented? And what was my role in that? And I think that is really, when you look at who Kanye is now, I think that's something that he still very much carries around with him. Yeah, which is a really, really painful thing to have like on your shoulder. Right. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So a year after that, Kanye and Alexis Pfeiffer, remember they were engaged, they call off the engagement. And that same year, 2008, he was doing this hip hop puppet show called Alligator Boots. And he insisted that Kim was in it. Basically, it was directed by this guy, Tom Stern, and he talks about how he was writing the part of Princess Leia for another actress, and Kanye came in and said, like, no, this needs to be Kim's part. The guy, Tom, said that in an interview with Wired uh, years ago, but it's just so funny when you think about that, like, this hip-hop puppet show was maybe what started it all. Right, and him insisting that she needed to be in, because also at this point, Kim's now a figure. Kim's her own entity, and he's like, she's not just the girl from the picture anymore. But not just Brittany's assistant. Exactly. Also, just as a total side note, but if you're listening to this, you probably a little bit care. As we go back on the earlier episodes when we're recapping them, something we talk about a lot is like how the dynamic shifted when you could tell that Kim was really the rising star of the family and it took Chloe and Courtney a little while to kind of catch up with that. So in 2008, Kanye West wanting you to be in any element of his show, I can imagine like they're in that Calabasas ranch. That's a huge deal. You know what I mean? It's not like any of them would have gotten that part at the time. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. This same year, Kanye starts dating Amber Rose, which of course now feels like another life. But at the time, I mean, this was one of the most talked about couples in Hollywood. Oh my God. Yeah. They were, (laughs) they were a huge couple. 
I will, I say this every time because I just can't not. I will never till the day I die forget that one year that I was at the VMAs, I believe it was 2009, it was at Radio City, it was in New York. And I just see Kanye West and Amber Rose making out. He's holding a bottle of Hennessy. He has his sunglasses on. He has his hair shaved in that like really cool pattern. And the entire night they were just making out on every backstage part of Radio City. And I am so glad that I witnessed that experience in my life. I mean, you were at the Taylor Swift VMA. That's like a big claim to fame, Em. It's <laughs> craziest shit ever. Oh my God. I really have to do something with those pictures. I really have to like do ask paper if I can do because I have really great pictures from that night. Like I have a picture of Beyonce's hand over her mouth when that happened. Yeah, you have to. Okay. Saying this publicly will hold me accountable. Yes. Okay. 2009. This was seemingly the first time that Kanye mentioned Kim in one of his songs. He did a verse on Knock You Down by Carrie Hilson, and the lyric is, you were always the cheerleader of my dreams, seemed to only date the head of football teams, and I was the class clown that always kept you laughing. We were never meant to be, baby, we just happened. And he said, you should leave your boyfriend now. She, of course, was dating Reggie at the time. It's so, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's so crazy looking back on these lyrics now. Him writing, it is crazy. Him writing a verse about him. They've never dated. He's in a relationship. She's in a relationship. And he is still writing verses about wanting to be with her and wanting her to break up with her boyfriend. By the way, if you're Reggie Bush at the time, not that Reggie strikes me at all as like an insecure kind of guy, but Kanye West writing about how you should break up with your boyfriend, like, I don't know, probably doesn't sit so well. My question is, because I don't remember this at the time, whether or not we were aware that that's what the lyrics were, was that a commonly discussed thing or was that something that, you know, was kind of decoded after the fact? It's I can't bring myself back to 2009. Like, I just have no memory of what it was like back then. I I don't know. I'm totally going to misspeak if I even try because it's so yeah. hard to not look at it with the lens of what we have now. Yeah, I am very curious about that, though. Although if pop culture journalism is anything like it is now. I guess the internet was less individual detectives. I'm sure it must have been. Yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> nothing gets past anybody these days. I could see something kind of you know, slipping through the cracks in 2009 and then being rediscovered years later, but yeah. I forget what podcast we said this on recently, but the definition of nothing getting past anyone on the internet is when Bella Hadid posted the photo of like... Gigi's home and in it there was she like crossed out one of the bags but you could still see that one of the bags or one of the cards you could tell the pattern and somebody looked it up and saw that it was like a baby welcoming uh card or bag and that's how it was discovered that like confirmed pregnancy they found the exact target card like that's pretty insane no yes I love people I love when people do things like that because I'm too lazy to I'm not creative enough I can't think to do that but somebody else is gonna do that for me that's fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the internet, that's why it's unmatched. Unmatched. Unfucking matched. Okay. So, March 2010, Kim and Reggie split. I just want to say, I've go, I'll go on record. I said this a million times as we're rewatching old episodes. I loved them together. Yeah, I did too. Summer 2010, Kanye and Amber Rose split. Okay. They're both single now, both single at the same time for the first time in a while. Few months later, in October 2010, Kim is seen sitting courtside at Chris Humphrey's game, and a few days later is where they make their first public appearance in New York. 
I'm trying to remember in 2010 what the general consensus was on this, but it's hard to because Kim then was so different than Kim now. Like Kim was just taken so much less seriously. So not that people didn't care what she was doing, but it wasn't seen as if like her partner was viewed as like, quote, esteemed, if that makes sense. Yeah, it is crazy to me also looking at this timeline of him writing a song about her. Them both, you know, remaining friends, obviously, them being single at the exact same time. And then on October 31st is when Kim is seen at Chris Humphrey's basketball game. And the beginning, very beginning of November is when Kanye comes to visit Kim at the Dash opening. That ended up airing in, you know, January 2011 when her and Chris had already been dating for, you know, a little while. But it is crazy to me that Kim and Kanye didn't overlap during that period. Wait. It's crazy that Chris happened. Yeah, we can't just breeze over that. Hold on. November 2010, this was Kanye's first appearance on Keeping Up. This is when the Dash New York store opened. And you guys know exactly the scene we are talking about when he comes into the back of Dash. He's in that, I believe, fur. And oh, it's like when I watch that back, and again, I'm not even a proponent of their relationship. When I watch that back, I get the chills. Yeah, of course. How could you not? Especially once you have the added context that like he was madly in love with her at the time. Right. Isn't it crazy that she went the Chris route instead of the Kanye route. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I wonder, I maybe he had just had this attitude of like, it's going to work out when it's meant to. Right. I don't know. That's crazy. So the next year in May 2011, this is when Kim gets engaged to Chris Humphreys. And he proposed with that 20.5 carat ring worth $2 million. I got to say, like, I don't remember what I thought of the ring at the time, but kind of a flex for him. It's not like he, you know, he doesn't have this Kanye West or Reggie Bush net worth. Yeah, no, that was his whole salary for the year. <laughs> 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliayi was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. So in August 2011, Kim and Chris Humphreys get married. Kanye was not there. But when Chloe used to have that show, Cocktails with Chloe, RIP, by the way, uh, <laughs> Kanye said that he literally got a cell phone to call Kim and dissuade her from marrying Chris. He said, quote, I got a phone because somebody decided they wanted to marry Chris Humphreys. I started sending her pictures of like certain basketball players that used to be cool that they now wear their pants all the way up to here. Like, this is your future. That's so crazy. I mean, so clearly, I guess he was making more of a move. Right. I don't know. I'm so like, I'm so curious about that in-between timeline of the breakup with Reggie Bush and Kim starring Jay Chris and whether or not Kanye was trying to make a move then, or if it was only once he was like, oh my God, she's going to get married. I have to like, this is my chance. I have to step in. Yeah, it's a little bit unclear. Like, I, I think on some level it was always there, but I guess I just am curious about, like, the rate of his um, persistence. Right. 
Anyway, so they get married August 2011. And October 11th, 2011 is when E! aired the four-hour special. It was Kim's fairy tale wedding, a Kardashian event. Literally 20 days after that aired, on October 31st, they split. Unsurprisingly, but at the time, devastating for her. Right. Devastating. And keep in mind, like... The beauty of the show, which we always speak about, is in the next season, we really did get to see her emotions about the entire thing play out. Right. And the thing about it was it was devastating because it was embarrassing, not because she was upset about the relationship. She was so mortified about the way everything went down and having E-Arrow four-part special and then two weeks later having to come out to the public and say that you you guys split. Right. Like with Chloe and Lamar, I know it's totally different, obviously, but- Chloe's upset about the relationship ending, I think, was a lot more because she really felt like this was or could have been her soulmate versus the public embarrassment element. I think that was a lot less prevalent. Whereas Kim, I think she had that moment of like, did I really trust my gut here or was I just getting married because I felt like it was the thing I needed to do? And she later came out and said that. She said, you know, Chloe and Lamar were together. You know, Scott and Courtney were have had Mason. And she was feeling this real pressure and she kind of was like, I'm getting older. I'm not getting any younger. Here's this guy that loves me. I'm just going to do this. This is what I'm like. This is the natural progression. This is what I have to do. And it was obviously a huge mistake, but she knows it's because she jumped the gun and not because she really loved him. Right. Which I think is just like a bigger lesson for all of us of kind of like you have to do what your like soul is telling you to, not what you think societally you should do or not because you think in comparison. Like I really do think that's that um, FDR quote of like, is it an FDR? No, no. It's a Teddy Roosevelt quote of um, like comparison is the thief of joy. I think it's just so accurate. (laughs) Yes. I just wanted Teddy Roosevelt to talk about Kim and Chris's wedding. What do you want from me? (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) I love that quote. You don't? I, first of all, no one's like a bigger Teddy Roosevelt stand than I am. I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> um, okay, so April 2012, Kanye really comes forward with his love for Kim in a song verse. In the song Cold, I know you guys, as I'm saying it, are probably just singing in your heads, but, and I'll admit I'd fell in love with Kim around the same time she'd fell in love with him. Well, that's cool, baby girl, do your thing. Lucky I ain't had Jay dropping from the team. Jay dropping from the team is one of the best lines I've ever heard, by the it's way. the best line ever. Of course, for anybody curious, Chris was playing, and honestly still could be, I have no idea, for the Brooklyn Nets at the time. And Jay obviously owns the team, or partially owns the team. That's like a pretty, uh, that's a pretty baller line. Uh, yeah, I would say. Okay. Also, in April 2012, this is when they started kind of dating, and they make their first public appearance in New York. Chloe then confirms they're a couple on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. And December of that year, they confirm that they're expecting their first child together. Oh my God, this is really bringing me back to the North pregnancy, Julie. Wasn't that the craziest time? It was a whirlwind of a time. When they announced that they were having a baby, I literally, literally thought that I wasn't going to make it. So keep in mind, at this time, Kim was still you know, married to Chris. The divorce technically wasn't finalized. So... April 2013, their divorce gets finalized. So May of 2013, this is when they attend the Met Gala together. She's pregnant. She attended as Kanye's guest. And this is the year where she wore that floral Givenchy gown with the gloves. She got wrecked for it. Like all the memes comparing her to a couch cushion and et cetera. 
And recently, you know, of course, she was the star of the Met Gala this year, and she did the interview with Vogue, where she basically spoke about like the tr- how traumatic that was for her after how she got into the car. She was so pregnant, she was like so intimidated to even be there, and she just got completely destroyed for her outfit. I honestly like, I think I hated it at the time. When I look back, I don't really hate it. No, it was way worse at the time. It was way blown out of portion. But the other thing that you have to keep in mind is that Kim would have been wrecked regardless of what she wore. Everyone was waiting to tear down the fact that Kanye brought a reality star to the Met Gala. Oh, it was like, that's why I think, I mean, I guess we've been following it for so long that like, that's why the excitement we get from seeing Kim this most recent year, you know, when she's like the belle of the ball, how it's so validating because she was so scrutinized. Like she was so, it really was considered on the part of the public an embarrassment for Kanye to even be associated with her. Right, which is also, I mean- and this is a whole other episode to get into, but that's also where a lot of the contention between Kanye, Jay-Z, and Beyonce came from, supposedly. Well, of course. I mean, they didn't at the time. I don't know what they think now, but at the time, definitely didn't take it seriously. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's wild to think about. One month after the Met Gala, Northwest is born. And a few months later, October 2013, Kanye proposes you guys know exactly what that is. The 15 carat Lorraine Schwartz ring worth four and a half million dollars on the baseball field. He's the marry me, please come up. The entire family's watching from behind. Kim is wearing that gorgeous long sleeve blue mini dress. She has her hair in that like light honey blonde swept to one side. Oh, this was, I don't know. I'm As I'm talking about this, I'm really bringing myself back and like not allowing my current thoughts about their relationship to take over. And this was the happy time. She was glowing. I just literally crossed myself in memory of that ring. Don't. Oh. I know. Yeah. So a year after that, Mar- six months or so after that, March 2014, they were the first biracial couple to be featured on the cover of Vogue, which was a huge deal at the time. But also, I mean, still to this day, I know you guys remember exactly what that cover was. Kim was in that gorgeous, almost like taupe colored gown. That was a beautiful shoot stunning kim being on vogue for the first time was i mean that was kind of what started it like obviously the met gala she was taken as kanye's guest but the approval of anna wintour to put her on the cover of vogue is what really elevated her to that next level yeah and again let's not forget kim always talks about how when she had first started out with her publicist, she had said something like she wanted to be on the cover of Cosmo. And her publicist said to her, like, okay, let's get you some realistic goals. And then, you know, five years later, she's gracing the cover of Vogue as part of the first biracial couple ever. Pretty pretty big fuck you. Yeah, huge. And also, let's not forget that there is a history there with Kim and Anna Wintour even prior to the cover because Kim jokingly said to Anna about naming North North and she gave Kim her seal of approval. I know. And when I, I think that when Kim was talking about it, she had kind of said it like, not jokingly necessarily, but not with full conviction. It was more so like a floating idea. Yeah. Like it was, it was, I think it was something that she wanted to do that she thought it was cool, but like she could only say it jokingly until somebody actually gave her like a, no, you can do that. Like that's funny and, and cute to do. And that was all the validation she needed. Exactly. So May of that year, they get married in Italy. You guys remember this. It was the ridiculous bachelorette party in Paris. They had the rehearsal dinner at Versailles. Like 
the thing was insane. They flew their guests, 200 people, to Florence for the wedding. He wore Mason Margiela. She wore Givenchy. They had that gorgeous floral wall. The 180 from her wedding with Chris to her wedding with Connie, just in terms of the aesthetic of the event, was so telling. Like, yes, of course, it was ridiculously extravagant, but there wasn't an element of gaudiness. Yes. And Chris and Kim's wedding had gaudy written all over it. May of that next year, they announced they're expecting their second baby together, little Saint. And December of that year, Saint West is born. Let us all just say a moment of thanks for that. A year later, October 2016, is when the robbery happened in Paris. And literally a month after that in November was when he was reportedly hospitalized for exhaustion. She flew to the hospital. This was right after he canceled his Saint Pablo tour. And if you guys remember, like about a week before he was on stage during one of his shows and he kind of started to go on a rant about politics and then abruptly kind of left the concert. And this was, I mean, at the time, a huge news story and her flying out. And this was maybe when we started to kind of see signs of the toll that this was all taking on his mental health. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also remember so vividly from that rant that he went on him calling out Jay-Z for not coming to the house to visit after the robbery. And also, this was around, I believe, the anniversary of Donda's death. So those two things coinciding at once, the robbery and the anniversary, was a really dark place. And absolutely, when you're talking about Kanye's mental health and the current state of their relationship, this is kind of where that all starts. This is where, like, I guess the best way that I can put it is I'm sure there are other things that happen behind the scenes or behind closed doors. But if someone was asking me in casual conversation, like, hmm, when did you start to see signs of something going on with their marriage? This is what I personally, for as like just an observer, would give. Like this November 2016, the St. Pablo cancellation, this entire situation to me was what really started to like get it going. Right. Also, June of that next year, it's reported that their surrogate is pregnant. Keep in mind, Kim had preeclampsia and it was to the point where she really couldn't have carried a third child or it, it was really against doctor's orders based on the complications she went through with both of her pregnancies. Right. January of the next year, Chicago is born. May 2018 is the Kanye TMZ controversy when he made that disgusting claim that slavery was a choice that you guys remember that entire thing. Um, and again, this is another one that I would cite as potentially the start of unraveling their relationship based on the erratic ways of some of his actions, which again, we now know a lot of it could be attributed to not being medicated for potentially some of his episodes, but I can only imagine what that was like behind the scenes in their family. Yeah, absolutely. That was a real, yeah. I mean, the the 2016 episode where he was hospitalized was really where it started in terms of us being aware of his mental illness. This is where it really started in terms of us being aware of the way Kanye is and the way Kanye became because this episode was really awful and it was so public. And a lot of the stuff that he said was obviously misconstrued, not the way he meant it. Kim really jumped to his defense. And that's kind of when you knew that there was going to start to be a lot of issues there. Completely agree. So May, 2019, that's when Sam West is born via surrogate. And that same year they renewed their vows in a really small ceremony Kim shared the first line of her vows, which said, you are my husband, you are my best friend, my biggest believer, and my one true love. So that's kind of where we're going to end the timeline, like 
you know, everything through 2019. I know some of the things we talked about there were a little bit indicative of like maybe some marital tension, but honest to God, in my opinion, when shit really hit the fan was like June, July of this last year, 2020. That's when Kanye announced that he was running for president. That is when he did that South Carolina rally when he kind of went on this rant about how Kim was maybe going to abort North. And he said, quote, even if my wife were to divorce me after the speech she brought North into the world, even when I didn't want to, she stood up and she protected that child, you know, saying that his father wanted to abort him. And according, you know, after that, apparently Kim was furious that he would even mention that saying if something that was something really private. She never wanted her daughter to have to hear that. And this was all right around the same time when Kanye was going on those Twitter storms. Like he had reactivated his Twitter. You guys remember, I mean, we were podcasting throughout this entire thing. It was a really sensitive issue. It had to be handled with a lot of care. It was, it was, I would imagine, devastating for Kim and for Chris. And he was just going after everyone. Um, that's when Kim released that whole statement. You guys remember she did it on her Instagram story and like that white typewriter font basically saying, you know, Kanye has bipolar disorder. He is not medicated right now. And she was basically saying like, this is hard for all of us. And she just wants it to be handled with respect and with, and with care. But like, that was a time when, I mean, you guys know she flew to Wyoming. Those were those paparazzi shots of her crying in the car right after they had stopped at a Wendy's. It was like, that whole time feels almost like a blur because everybody was wondering like, are they going to make it through this? Or is Kim going to say, I can't, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. Right. And I think that is really was the final straw in what happened. Understandably so. I think so too. Like it's, a, I don't know. I, we make this point a lot. It's like, you can't fault somebody. It's, you can't make Kim responsible for Kanye's stability. Like that is just not an, un, that's just not a fair role to put on anyone. No, of course not. And Kim has four kids under the age of seven that she has to look out for and take care of and be responsible for. And if she's in a situation where it's anything is hindering her from being able to do that, then she needs to remove herself from that situation. And it's then on Kanye to hopefully get the help that he needs. Um, I think that what we saw after this time period where, you know, the July incident happened was things was were seemingly okay there. You know, Kim was posting him again. She had written, you know, a Father's Day post for him. She, you know, was posting him on vacation. I believe they took North and Saint away to the Dominican Republic, if I remember correctly, to kind of regroup and see if they could work past it. So things had been really quiet for a while until that December report came out that they were living separate lives. Again, no one was no one was surprised by that in the slightest. It seemed kind of what we expect, expected. So then when the divorce news broke, we were kind of looking back at the December news and being like, okay, this this all kind of makes sense. But it did seem for a little while like they were working on getting over that hump. Yeah. I Well, because I don't think that she wants, like, I don't think either of them want to be divorced. Like, I think in theory, they would love to be together. Like, look at these beautiful children they've raised together. But I think at a certain point, like, it's just, can, can we do this anymore? Can she do this anymore, you know? Right. And again, it's completely understandable if she can't. I mean, there's only so much control and so much power she has over somebody who isn't herself. And I think, again, like I said before, I think that's why the situation in this divorce is so sad because 
I do think that they're soulmates. And I do think that we all kind of hoped that they would have been able to work it out in a scenario in which Kanye was able to help himself as well. And I don't think any of us wanted Kim to be in a position where she was constantly fighting for something that she just couldn't control. Yeah. I mean, listen, guys, I don't know. Like I said in the beginning, we really do not know anything that you don't know. Of course, we hear things. There's this and that, but there's no point in like saying something until you know it's true. I promise we will keep you informed as to everything that we know. And even when we don't know anything, we'll talk about it just because I do think that it's comforting to have people to talk about this with. And like, we needed you to be able to process it. So I hope you feel the same level of uh, comfort or ease with us that we feel by just having you guys here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We love you all. And um, we'll see you, Isabel and I will see you on Friday. 